that timed out well. <laughs> We're late. I hate being late. All right, it's 6.03 on the West Coast, 9.03 on the East Coast of America, uh, 2.03 in London, 7.33 in Mumbai, India. It's a weird freaking time. 11.04 just changed over in Kyoto, Japan. And here in Malaysia, as always, it's 19.84. I'm Jay Sheldon, and I'm not wearing pants. <laughs> Welcome, welcome, welcome. Oh, my goodness. We are live as usual. It's, uh, what is it, Monday? Oh, my God. Yeah, it's Monday already. Eh. Uh, we're live on Facebook. We're live on YouTube, rumble.com, and twitch.tv. Also, you might be listening into our podcast uh, afterwards. We, we put up the uh, audio version of our show as a podcast, so... Uh, yeah, you can uh, you can check that and thank you. We, it's amazing the amount of downloads we get from some old fart in Malaysia making chit chat about garbage. But you know, hey, it's a nice break from all the controversial crap on the uh, net these days. So that's what we kind of try and supply you a little bit. Uh, I will give you fair warning about tonight's show. It's a little Malaysia centric. I usually. We talk about Malaysia because, hey, that's where I live. But, you know, we try and talk about things that are more generic and cover, because we've got listeners in the U.S. and the U.K., India, Australia, New Zealand, you name it. They're all over the planet. But uh, tonight's show is going to be slightly more Malaysia-centric. And if you saw from our thumbnail, you'll, you'll know why. But anyway, before we get into that, let's get into this. It's the little girl. <laughs> Miko update. Me, 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 go update. I have to find a new tune. I can't keep doing. Na, 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 na. It's not the holiday season anymore. That's gone. All right, just a quick Miko update. She's doing great. She really is. She's doing very, very well. And uh, she has been uh, eating us out of house and home. Uh, she goes for two walks a day. She weighs 11.3 kilos, I think. She's fat as hell. She's not fat, though. She's just solid and uh, doing well. She had a little visit to the vet because, you know, we're freaky parents, parents, and uh, she had this little thing on her lip, and we wanted to check it before it got worse. But anyway, vet gave her uh, antihistamine, thought it might be a little parasite infection, but she checked. There was no parasites. Anyway, that's the dog story, and I'm sticking with it. She's doing well, sleeping in the other room, of course, in the aircon. I have now taken to calling her uh, Puan Sri, because that's just the way she acts, and that's kind of how she gets uh, treated around here, like a proper Puan Sri. All right. Um, yes, so anyway, we are uh, going to turn over. I got a brand new screen tonight. I hope this works. No promises. But we will try, uh, and I am going to, you might hear my sound become a little freaky, but uh, just bear with it. I tested it, and supposedly it works fine. All right. It is our special guest tonight, and welcome, welcome in, in to, to the, the show, show, Zane Azra. <laughs> Zane! Okay, I can talk now? You Hi, can, my you, name is... <laughs> you can talk okay. now. Okay, uh, my name is Zainaz Rai. I'm an international ballet rapper, 
uh, with over 1 million views in wow. Malaysia, Australia, the United Kingdom, the Philippines, Sweden, uh, Serious, and Canada. Huh? Yeah, for real. No, bu- no bullshit. You can Google, you can YouTube me. Zain Azrai. Z-A-I-N space A-Z-R-A-I. I've got your name underneath your picture here on, on our broadcast. So people can, okay. people can check it okay. out. Okay, but, uh, like, yeah. like this. Yeah, yeah there you okay, go. Okay, I'm, <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm also a sole working screenwriter based in Malaysia. Uh, I've uh, been hired to write uh, feature-length films and TV series by a bunch of uh, Malaysian film production companies since 2019. However, what? sorry? Ha- have you got something published, shot? Okay, okay here's the thing. Because uh, I I started uh, se- uh, selling and getting hired to, to write scripts for production companies around 2019 till now. Mm-hmm. Uh, because of pandemic-related factors, uh, they've either been postponed or shelved, etc. But I've gotten my deposits, I've gotten paid for them and all this. That's stuff. the important part. Yeah. <laughs> uh, one, of, one of my clients is Ismail Kamarul uh, from uh, Reservoir Productions. Oh, sure. And, and he, he, he is the guy... Uh, uh, Reservoir Productions has so many good things to say about Jay Sheldon. Really? And uh, yeah, yeah. Because I, I, I was, I, uh, I was writing something. I was writing something with you in mind. Uh, mm. We can talk about that over Tetare because I don't think I'm, I can divulge information, which is why I'm in contact with Jay. Okay. Yeah, we'll so we'll, just to let, we'll keep that PNC for now. Yeah, just just to let you all know, uh, I'm I have to admit my bias <laughs> because I want Jay to be in. A, uh, a few potential projects, so I'm totally biased. Uh-huh. So, like, uh, <laughs> as a as an actor, as an actor, and uh, I have to say, I did not know that before I invited Zane on the show. Okay, so this or, isn't or priming so the claim. pump. Or, or so you claim. <laughs> yeah, so, so I claim. <laughs> That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> uh, I I started uh, in the film and television industry about I think two, in 2007 uh, it was, I was a production assistant for Persona Pictures right. under uh, Shuhami Baba uh, for a documentary called 50 Years of Slango and I've been uh, director of a few music videos since then uh, I've been a video editor, colorist uh, camera operator and all sorts of other things. That sounds like somebody very typically in the entertainment business in Malaysia. It's like one leg kick all. Yeah, but the thing is, is that uh, since twenty since twenty nineteen, I've just stuck with screenwriter. I usually don't tell people all this other stuff, or else they'll start wanting to include all that shit in the fucking price list. <laughs> 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 Let's get the fucker to write. Well, well, welcome to Malaysia. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Welcome to Malaysia. So I've got a lot of opinions about a lot of things, but Jay, you start. What do you want me to talk about? Well, um, you know, since you are in the business, and one of the things that uh, that I uh, I had mentioned was actually, and now I'm trying to find the article. Uh, I had sent you an article. This is about the only thing we pre-talked about. Other than that, we don't know what the hell we're going to talk about. 
But I had sent you an article uh, from a, a great website called nofilmschool.com. The link is in our show notes tonight. And it says, you should be worried about cinema becoming content. And here's why. Uh, Zane, I know you had a chance to kind of take a look over that. And, yeah. you know, even in the past, I mean, I started in radio back uh, 45 over years ago, I think it was. Uh, obviously, everything has completely changed in broadcasting. I moved into television. I did one feature film, a uh, bunch of shorts and crap like that back in the 80s. And um, I moved to Malaysia. Next year will be 20 years I've been here. Mm -hmm. um, the TV business, so much changed in my lifetime, uh, unbelievably so. Um, and, and now, I mean, I've said it before, I'll say it again, and I truly believe, honestly, television's dead. It, it probably doesn't know it yet, but it's dead. You mean broadcast uh, television? I mean broadcast television, TVT, ATV, NTV7, RTM, whatever it is. You know, you've got a couple of old machiks in the Kampong watching with their antenna TV, if that even exists anymore. And other than that, you subscribe to Astro, and uh, that's about it. But honestly, my opinion, TV's dead, or at least it should be. Uh, if it's not dead, shoot it in the head. <clears throat> it's sad because I did so much content when I was here in the beginning for Malaysian television, TV Tiga, 8TV. Hell, I was the voice of 8TV when it first started. Um, and TV7, uh, both in front of the camera, behind the camera. But uh, TV's dead. Content is king. And if it ain't online and you don't have a million or two followers or viewers, you ain't crap <laughs> sadly um, and the pandemic of course didn't help the industry in fact it pretty much shut us down only now are people starting to get out and shoot things I know a lot of my friends in the business I see their posts and uh, they're out there they're shooting but um, this article was interesting uh, did you have a chance to, to take a look at it what are your thoughts oh yeah I actually think I love the pandemic. That's super <laughs> controversial of me. I love the pandemic, but really? I'll get to that later. Yes. All right. Uh, be prepared, guys. I'm the I'm the villain in this industry. I'm the villain y'all need. So, but we'll get to that. Good. Okay. Now on to that article that you showed me. Okay. Mm. First of all, let's get down to basics. The word content is merely semantics. Uh, when when you say blah, 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 it's still content. It may be shit content, but it's content. Uh, the, just because a word has only been in general use recently doesn't mean it's a new thing. It's just a new word for, for what we, for something that's always existed. Yeah, it's, it's, it's how we get Stuff how we get it delivered. Yeah, exactly. So that uh, there, it is true that the business is changing. Yes, it is true that uh, the way uh, films are marketed is changing. Yes, it is true that certain types of films will find it harder to have a uh, theatrical release. Yes. But is all this a bad thing? No. I don't think it's, it, uh, all this is a bad thing per se. It merely means that filmmakers and producers need to find new ways of uh, marketing and distributing their films. 
regardless of whether it is meant only as a schlock entertainment or high art. Uh, Grant, there's there's movie, there's the Criterion Channel, therefore uh, supposedly uh, high end uh, art house films or great cinema, and then who's to say that great cinema can't be shown on Netflix at home? If you think about it, right, even in the past few decades, there are limitations of what films you can get made in the Hollywood studio system anyway. Sure, of course. Even before Netflix, there were limitations of what you can or cannot show in, in a Hollywood movie, especially if it, uh, the restrictions against so-called NC-17 films. You know, they mm -hmm. want to avoid the NC-17 rating. But the thing is, if you had an NC-17 type of movie on Netflix, no one's going to give a fuck because <laughs> they're going to watch it on Netflix anyway. So no one ever thinks about the, the pros. It, I was reading some... Uh, I was reading... Some, part, some things on psychology and basically uh, we human beings have a tendency to exaggerate doomsday predictions or TV is going to get rid of film Netflix is going to get rid of film home video is going to get rid of film everything's always going to be getting rid of film okay it's, it's just how things are or film is going to destroy theater it's like there's always this doomsday bullshit uh, and it, no these are called industry disruptors yes they do disrupt industries but they don't actually destroy anything. They merely uh, morph the form of whatever art form that you want to consume. Mm -hmm. So people still go to the opera. It's just for rich people. <laughs> and rightfully so. Do you want to go to the opera? You have your fucking kids. But, but don't you think, I mean, no matter what, people are always going to want that cinema experience. I mean, exactly. I grew up with the, we had the Warner Theater in my hometown. And it mm -hmm. was an art deco built by Warner Brothers back in the 20s, I believe it was. And I mean, that was cinema. I watched movies in that cinema as a teenager. My first date was uh, was at the Warner Theater watching, um, well, I forget the film. But um, nowadays, of course, it's all just a shoebox. But um, it's still the cinema experience, you know? And you can't get that sending it home with no pants on watching Netflix. Okay, let me let me let me talk, let me address what you just said. Mm. Uh uh spite the Spider-Man No Way Home justifies the big screen experience. So did Dune. Yeah. Okay. So so there's it's a, it's a fallacy that people are not going to the cinemas. They're merely choosing what to watch in the cinemas. Okay, that's number 1. Okay. Number 2, the cold-hearted truth is a lot of the people who want to make uh, films that are supposedly that they refer to as great cinema is basically they're basically giant TV movies. Let's keep it real here. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, it's a bunch of guys talking about life in uh in in the dining room table. You know, uh, in England, if I'm not mistaken, they're called kitchen sink dramas. Mm, mm. So these motherfuckers want to show these kitchen sink dramas on big fucking screen, if possible, 70 a.m. on fucking IMAX. And I understand. Look, I get it. No matter what what you have in mind for your movie, your dream is to have it on 70 fucking mm IMAX and all this other shit. Even though it's just two guys wanking off of the fucking mm -hmm. uh, men's room. But the reality is, uh, the cinemas are going to prefer films that justify the big screen experience. True. Okay? True. Yeah, and, and, and uh, that's that. Yeah. Uh, also, also, I haven't, I haven't seen West Side Story. I, I can't comment on that. I haven't seen the last duel. I, I'm planning to do. Hmm. But 
uh, if you really look at, in my opinion, if you look at the the market today, the movies that generally do justify the big screen experience, they're doing well, like Dune, right. and uh, and Spider Man, and the ones that mostly don't don't, and that's that. Uh, what? But like, it's, it's sad I'm to sure. see, uh, like West Side Story is not doing well at all. Uh, but the thing is, it's not necessarily because people don't want to watch it, bro. Think about it. We've seen West Side Story. It's like, it's like, do you need to go watch? Uh, I mean, I, I'm sure it's a great movie, mm. and I and I I'm the type of guy who would want to watch it in the big screen. But right. we all know the fucking story. Let's just say it's better than the original, like everyone says it is, right? Do you you do you re- do I really need to see Darth Vader say? Look, I am your father again on IMAX. <laughs> yeah, I know it's. I know it's. Oh, I mean, the, oh, oh, well, though, wait a minute. Now, if you had a chance to watch the original, the original Star Wars on IMAX, I think that would be a thrill. I saw it when it first came out when it premiered in a shoebox cinema in Torrington, Connecticut. Um, but uh, yeah, imagine seeing that. When that John yeah, Williams it, theme rolls in with all the surround sound and everything. I agree. I agree. But there are two points. Number one, how many of those guys are us? How many? Number two. Okay. I, 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 I mean, are, are we? is it worth taking your kids and all that during a pandemic to watch Darth Vader say it again? <laughs> or, okay, because it costs money to go to the cinemas. That's the reality of it. And yeah. people, uh, people need to pick and choose what they want to see. So... Let's just say I have a choice between watching Darth Vader say, I'm your father again, and Spider-Man. And I'm, this is the one time in the whole fucking month we're going to go out and spend the night, a night, day, night in the movies. We can't watch more than one movie a month, the average person and their family, right? Mm-hmm. We're going for Spider-Man, and that's that. Uh, don't get me wrong. I, I'm, a, I'm a single person. I will watch Spider-Man and... and, uh, and Empire Strikes Back on the same month, no problem. But most people are not me. Right, right. And 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 this is coming from a guy who can't wait for West Side Story. I'm sure, I'm sure, I'm sure it's better than the first one. <laughs> I'm I'm sure of it. I can tell. I haven't seen it, but you know, come on, man, Steven Spielberg. Sure. But the the, the reality is, people are gonna pick and choose what they see in the cinemas because of the high cost and the high risk, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And because of that, some not not all movies are gonna make it. They're gonna pick and choose. Yeah. And the thing is, is that uh, it comes down to my original point. Producers will simply have to uh, restru- rethink how they're going to market and distribute their films. That's all. It's it's, it's not gonna die. It's not gonna uh, not people aren't gonna. It's not like people are not gonna watch it. It's just that they have to rethink how they're gonna. Everyone will like still will still like great food, but now you have to figure out how to use the fucking grab at, <laughs> and it's that simple. Right? <clears throat> as, well, as a matter of as a matter of fact, there are certain advantages that streaming provides, which uh which which the theatrical experience uh the theatrical distribution doesn't. Like for example, for the first time in history, uh, the the biggest move, the biggest TV series in the world in the world are Money Heist and Squid Game. Which are not American. The idea of the big, the two biggest TV series in the world being foreign language and non-American is was unthinkable ten yeah, years ago. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and uh, these days, 
and and with all due respect, I still love I love Americans. I love you. <laughs> You're American. <laughs> I love Americans. I love American movies. However, from what I can see of the younger, most of the younger American uh, screenwriters, right, is that uh, they are less likely to watch uh, for, for films with foreign subtitles. They're less likely to watch the classics you and I both know. Right. And uh, they, they fail to understand that regardless of where you sit on the fence politically, no one outside of America gives a fuck. <laughs> that you are leftist or rightist as far as the rest of the world is concerned uh, you guys are just two heads of the same on the same dragon no matter who is in charge it's still going to go to other countries and bomb people let's keep it real here that's exactly <laughs> what you like <imagine. laughs> so when you when, it, when, when, if you have oil you're in trouble sorry if you have oil you're in trouble oil oil petroleum oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. in the ground and, yeah, I, I'm just happy that America, that Malaysia sucks up to all foreign powers. You know, I was going to say, why we haven't invaded over here is beyond me, because, you know, Malaysia is a very you know, oil-rich nation. You know why? Because we suck so much American cock. That it's hey, India hey, hey, just- hey! <laughs> we have to keep it a little civilized, okay? I'm sorry, a I'm sorry. A little civilized. Malaysian, Malaysians suck up to so many foreign powers, they don't need to do that. Yeah, I'm sorry, but you know, you fools are still watching CNN for your news over here. You've got to stop that. You've got to stop that. For me, okay. For me, as an individual, I look at as many foreign sources, uh, uh, sources of news as possible. Whether it's please do CNN, yes, whether it's CNN or whether it's uh, Al Jazeera. Oh, the worst, news. the worst Al Jazeera. Or I've what been... is independent news, independent news, et cetera, et cetera. I've been so, looking but... at Al Jazeera uh, feed on my Facebook page. It is unbelievable the amount of fear porn these people. I mean, it's bad enough you get the Malay male headlines and all that crap where they're trying to scare the hell out of everybody. But Al Jazeera, I mean, a lot of them have come around, realized. I know we weren't going to talk much about the pandemic, but you know, with this new uh, Omicron crap, which is basically just a bad flu, um, you know, they're still trying to hold on to scaring the hell out of everybody. And Al Jazeera and uh, what was the other one? Well, the Malay Mail, of course. I forget what the other one was, but they're still running all these. Oh my God, the winter of death headlines. You know, so okay. There, yeah. There's a reason for that. Okay, I'm not. Uh, I'm not gonna talk about so much about the pandemic as mm. from the point of view of, of science and politics, etc. Et I'm just yeah. gonna talk about uh, how the media works. You see, uh, the reality is is that uh, when there's more engagement, uh, they profit more because of course of, they're going it, for the it, clicks. It, it cor- they're going for the clicks. Okay, yeah. uh, I mean, I mean, yes. Things are, the world isn't perfect. Yes, there's threats. Yes, there are wars. Yes, people do bad shit. Yes, there's disease. Yes, there's disasters. These things exist. Yes, correct, hundred percent. However, uh, we have to understand that any corporate, any media which is owned by a private corporation, ultimately, they uh, their main priority is to their shareholders. Sure. And regardless of whether you are a Democrat, a Republican. Uh, believe in Amno, PH, or you believe in aliens, or whoever, or worship Satan, or whatever it is. At the end of the day, uh, as long as the the media, as long as it's someone saying something, uh, you always have to question the motivation. Even if it's someone who's a blogger, 
online. Mm, absolutely, yeah. People, people think there are some people who believe that independent, so-called alternative news outlets are are free from the biases of the corporate media. That is not true. Yeah, there's, uh, there's still an agenda there. They're still looking they're for still, clicks. They, yeah, there's still a, yeah, there's still an agenda there. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Which is why I okay, I was I was reading a. Uh, believing in magic, the psychology of superstition, and there was this one experiment where basically the people who believe in astrology uh, horoscopes and the people who don't believe in horoscopes were put into a, a room or something, right. and they were given uh, uh, papers. One, some papers say that horoscopes make sense. Some of them say they don't. Now, the optimists would think that because they've got all this material, they will learn more about each other's perspectives and get along better. But what actually happens is, um, uh, uh, what's that word again? CD, con, con, I forgot the net, that word. Anyways, uh, it's not on the tip of my tongue. Anyway, so basically what really happened in this experiment was they would read what they chose, what the, the uh, material that conformed to their bias mm. and dug in their heels respectively and they became even more polarized. Right. Look, personally, I think horoscopes are bullshit, but that's not the point of what I'm saying. My point is, is that when you have uh, uh, multiple sides of people and then you, you feed them uh, information or news outlets that are of a variety, it is human nature to just choose the ones that... Uh, fits your uh, narrative. Fits your perspective, your particular narrative and dig in even more and that yeah. becomes even more conflicted yeah. I think the problem with the United United States at the moment is that uh, because of the divide between the left and right regardless of where you stand here it doesn't matter when uh, they have lost sight of the basic principle that it's only an American thing and when you put when you include that in your storytelling even in a subtle way it alienates foreign audiences to more and more, uh, regardless so, of what you believe. So in other words, you don't look at the US or something that's going on, or let's say the, there've been protests all around the world against lockdowns and mandates and things. You don't look at those and get inspired by those people and go, yeah, I wanna do that too. Uh, let me put it this way, for me personally, for me personally, I see a broken system mm -hmm. uh, because the thing is, is that Okay, let's just say for the sake of argument that uh, COVID is, has 100% of people who catch COVID die. The worst, worst case scenario, right? Let's just say that's true, okay? Now, at the end of the day, uh, doctors and scientists who study this stuff, their specialty in, is in virology, biology, those sciences. They're not experts in sociology, psychology, politics. Well, nor, okay? sh nor should they be. Yeah, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. When you get a doctor uh, giving advice without, uh, without an expert in these other things, then they won't be taking into account the sociological, uh, the social and political ramifications of these, of these measures that they're suggesting. Let's just say these measures actually do work. Let's, whether or not they work or whatever, uh, I'll leave some other people to discuss it. That's not because everyone else has discussed it. Let's, not, let's discuss sure. something new. Let's just, say that, let's just say that these methods do work. 
the fact that you're getting a bunch of doctors, even if they're right, even if they're right, right? A bunch of doctors uh, influencing policy without taking into, into account psychology uh, and uh, politics and sociology is very dangerous because human beings are not rational creatures. Well, that's for sure. That, but <laughs> that's, that's, that, that's, that, that's, that's, no matter where you fall on the uh, uh, philosophically or whatever, yeah. they're not rational creatures. But, when but you shouldn't, don't take... shouldn't a doctor or a scientist not be influenced by politics and social mores and, and just follow the science? Yet when they should they should follow the science when they're doing peer review research, peer review research, and okay. and when they're publishing stuff like that, or when they're uh, curing a patient, or when they when they're in the lab. But when you're talking about policies that affect entire nations, you have to take into account economics, uh, sociology. But that doesn't ecology. change the science. It doesn't change the science. But the thing is, is that. It, ch it changes how uh, the, the long-term overall impact these policies will have on society. Okay. You get what I'm saying? Like, for example, uh, uh, someone from Ireland was telling me that what's happening in, the, in Ireland right now is that whole families are basically, uh, what's that word for it? They're, they're families are being, becoming more estranged from each other mm -hmm. over sure. who gets vaccinated and who doesn't. Yeah. It doesn't matter whether or not who is right. The fact that that is a social, that is a, a, a social problem, which which people who study viruses will not be able to comprehend, and neither should they. Right. When you you get what I'm saying. When you got an economy, when you when it comes to uh, uh, setting up policies for countries, you have to listen to all the disciplines, not just the bi the biologists. Uh, you have to look at the political scientists. You have to look at the sociologists, the psychologists, the economists. All these guys put together. You don't just listen to the doctors, even if they're one hundred percent right, and ignore all these other. Wait a minute! Wait a minute! Why would you not just listen to the doctors, even if they're one hundred percent right? Doesn't that make sense if you're dealing with no, public no, no, health? No. Yes, but the thing is, let's just say that all the doctors are right, and they have certain, they have all these policies, but these policies cause social divide and then you got you're getting into mental health and then right. you're getting into the suicides that come that, that come from the lockdowns okay. and then you're getting into the economics and then when when the economy tanks and then more people commit suicide that's a fact when they when when the gnp of a country goes down it actually correlates to more suicides right. more people starve etc 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 the doctors even if they're the doctors even if they're 100 correct they would not Take into they would they would not be uh, 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 trained to fig to figure out all these other factors, which is why when it comes to public policy, public policy includes health, economics, uh, politics, uh, society, social issues, etc. This it should be a holistic policy should be holistic. It shouldn't just shouldn't just be based on biological health and then uh, and then excluding all these other all these other disciplines it's a multi pol government policies should be multidisciplinary okay does that make sense bro yeah so i understand what you're saying i'm not sure i completely agree because to me 
the science is the science. So if medically you do X and Y is going to happen and the science proves that, then even though that makes some people uncomfortable and it might not be politically correct to say it, that's the science. And that's important that people know that if you do X, Y is going to happen. And maybe you're not comfortable with that, but that's the fact, Jack, you know? Yeah, I get what, no, I get 100%. The scientists should reveal the facts, yes. Yeah, and then they let the psychologists the deal with the effects of it, you know? Yes, but the thing is, we're not listening, we're, we're not We're not even listening to input from psychologists. Yeah, we're I, not listening I, to yeah I like the idea of what you said, it's a holistic approach. But let each individual expert in their field just follow the science, tell the truth, and chips fall where they may. But like you said, in a holistic way, so that psychologists deal with the psychological end of things, medical people deal with the medical end of things. It make, that's why I said what you said makes sense with a little asterisk maybe. <laughs> yeah, so. but, but, but this is what I mean. This is what our leaders should be doing. They should be getting all these, the scientists, the psychologists, the, the political scientists, uh, the economists, all in one room, and then coming up with holi a holistic solution. A full round, yes. Yeah. A, a full round thing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you we, don't just. We, yeah. We don't disagree on that. I, I can see your point yeah. very well. Yeah. I, right. Yes. The, yeah. Uh, but that's not what's happening. And the thing is, is that, uh, okay, getting back to the film industry, when you <laughs> have, uh, when you have, when I go, to, when I talk to American screenwriters, Okay, first of all, American screenwriters are among the best in the world in terms of technical, in my opinion, technical structure, the technicalities of screenwriting. They're among the best in the world, uh, without a doubt. However, uh, in, more, in, more, uh, in most situations, when, every, when they start discussing about politics and all that, and then I come in from a foreign perspective, that's when a lot of them just go, because then... <laughs> <laughs> because, because uh, it's easy for them to for a leftist argue or Republican and vice versa or whatever. But when I come in and say, look, at the end of the day, this is American politics and it alienates people from outside the United States. And you have to understand American diversity and diversity in other countries are not, uh, the nuances and dynamics are not totally the same. That's when that's when a lot of them go, oh shit, uh, they never thought of that, you know, because. Uh, they mix with other American, most of them mix with other Americans and it becomes like a bubble, becomes yeah. like a bubble. I often you can wondered, I, I, don't, I don't sense it myself, but I know that after 20 years, if I were to move back to the US, I hope not, but if I were, I know there would be a huge culture shock. I didn't have mm. that when I came here. I had to ease my way into it. It took me several years to, get things to lose my Americanisms and uh, incorporate it. I think by now, after 20 years, I'm pretty full on Malaysian, but um, I, I really do think there would be a massive culture shock, which I did not have when I moved here. But if I were to go back, I, I know it would be huge. Um, I, but that's a good, in my opinion, that may be a good thing because yeah. uh, from, what, from what I've observed, the Americans who have traveled more and uh, who are book smart and street smart, they're the best. Hmm. Because 
they have the technical expertise, which comes from uh, their American training, et cetera, et cetera, right. as well as a holistic, uh, spiritual, emotional, and social way of thinking. Uh, I was having a conversation with someone about the merits of uh, affirmative action. So, right. uh, so basically, I was saying uh, in Malaysia, you've got the quota system for the dominant ethnic group in the country. And it doesn't work. Mm. So I was my point was if you have a quote uh, a quota percentage quota system for Hollywood, and then uh, eventually uh, people of color become the 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 ethnic majority of the United States, they might end up like the Malays. What and, do you mean? Okay, the the in my opinion, the reason why the Malays are not progressing is because they know that so-and-so percentage of uh, companies and so on will be given to Malays anyway. So they don't have so to try. They don't have to give a shit. And, uh, and that's, the, that's the formula for disaster to have a percentage, a percentage quota system for the dominant ethnic group in the country. Mm -hmm. But she was saying, but Zain, people of color are not the dominant ethnic group in the United States. I said, not yet. Mm. And here's the thing. Uh, the majority of uh, Americans under the age of 16 are people of color. So within 10 or 20 years, uh, Americans, will, uh, Americans will be predominantly non-whites. And if, if people of color become the, ethnic, uh, the, dominant, the dominant ethnicities of, of the United States, and there's still a quota system, it will become like they'll become like the, they, it, they have they're in danger of becoming like the Malays whereby we're the majority there's a quota system why should we try hard yeah and that was that is the risk I'm not saying it will 100% be like that but coming from a country where the quota system benefits uh, the dominant ethnic group when you have a quota system for people of color and then people of color eventually supersede the population of the Caucasians then then the, the, there's the danger of replicating the problems we have with the Malays in Malaysia. And but, she was, go ahead. And she was, and then she was like, "Oh, I never saw it that way." Mm. And I, the, she is, uh, she's a screen, she's a screenwriter that I look forward to working with because uh, she is able to see outside of the American perspective. Right. However, there are some Americans who I talk to, and they go, "You mean there's a quota system for a." Ethnic majority in other countries, mind blown. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah. Well, I, and, uh, I, 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 I'm just, you know, I, and we're not talking about casting roles in films, uh, because that ethnic thing is that's a horse of a different color. But as far as in general hiring, uh, work production behind the scenes in film or whatever your business is. I'm a big advocate of, I really don't care what your background is, what your religious belief is, what your color of your skin is, how much melatonin you have in your skin. I'm interested in whether or not you can do the job and you're the I, best at what you do doing a job, whether you're male or female or how much melatonin you have in your skin, doesn't matter to me can you do the job you know i am my from my perspective uh my family takes very a lot of pride in being good at what we do so i agree with you 100 percent. 
right. I, be- I believe I do believe in ethnic and gender diversity in the workplace 100%. However, I do not believe that should be a- should or can be achieved with a quota system. Mm. Because when you have a quota system, uh, which the Malays have, it hasn't solved any problem. Yeah, and it's been around it for is- a very long time. It's been around for a very long time, and I and I know I know I'm Malay by the way. I I know the Malays. A lot of them actually are stupid and lazy. <laughs> I I know a lot of people who are not Malay. And a lot of that. them are not. Okay. Okay. Yes, but the ones who are not stupid or lazy oh, are, are a small are, are a small minority. <laughs> are a small minority, and most of the ones who are not stupid and lazy. Complain about the ones who are stupid and lazy. You know, your fan club is going to slowly just uh, drop off here. Um. No, <laughs> but no, but the thing is, is that what I've learned from life as well. Uh, yeah. Um, as long as you are consistently learning, even when you do make mistakes, you correct them and you're consistently learning and you're honest and sincere in what you're thinking and feeling, uh, people will ride with you. You will always have people who ride with you. I was once told by some people in the industry that if I start talking about the flaws of our industry, that I would get less jobs. Uh, but I, I came to a point in my life around 2019 where I'm like, fuck this shit. You know, this can't go on. And guess what? Uh, lots of people have offered me to, uh, hired me to, offered me jobs, the screenwriting jobs, because I've been talking shit about our industry, but constructively. Right. Because well, that's a- that's the thing. I mean, if it's constructive criticism, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. To exactly. bitch about something just to bitch about it, to hear yourself talk is is useless. Exactly. Um, exactly. And the know. thing is, is that, like, for example, one of the things I've always said is, you know, we, we shouldn't make a big deal out of winning awards at film festivals, regardless of whether they're real, fake, or prestigious yeah. or not. Can we just make good uh, films and screw the awards? Not so much screw the awards, but the awards should be the awards are like chips on the ice cream. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, like, if we if we make good films, the awards will come. Exactly. Yeah, the, the, the priority thing, is to make good films. Exactly. And I the wanna, thing is, is that go ahead. Sorry, you're saying? No, go ahead. I think that the thing is, is that when we when we try so hard to win awards, we look really uh, do Americans use what? We look beggy. <laughs> yeah. Hip hop, we say beggy. You know, when yeah, you yeah, see yeah. hip hop, you say beggy. You're like you're begging for it. You know. Yeah. Like you're a porn star or something. <laughs> and and the but, thing well, is, is that. Good. And the, the the thing is, is that the reality is, the more sincere we are with what we want to do, the more we are honest with what we are, we came where we came from and what who we are. Okay. The irony is the list. Oh. It's like true love. True <laughs> love comes to you. When you're not looking for it. Let, let me let me take this down a road I wanted to go with you. And that's, uh, ask the question, can, can we make good good films with the kind of ridiculous censorship crap we have to put up with in Malaysia? Okay, first of all, we have to look at, okay, what I'm about to say will ruffles, always ruffles feathers, but I'm stating facts. Number one, uh, LPF, the censorship board in Malaysia, uh, their jurisdiction is only for uh, terrestrial broadcast television and theatrical releases. Right. Not for internet content. Therefore, anything that is streaming, whether it's View, uh, whether it's uh, WeTV or Netflix or Amazon Prime, 
they are beyond the jurisdiction of the LTF. Yeah. Yeah. As as per as per the movie Daulat, there's a movie a movie called Daulat or movie. It's made by uh, this guy called Iman Isha, if I'm not or something like that. Uh, he's on my Facebook. Uh, basically, okay, regardless of whether you like the movie or not, it's groundbreaking because it shows a political party winning a Malaysian election. They're pretty much parodying all these politicians we know. And in the end, Malaysia has a, spoiler alert, a female prime minister who talks to the camera about being an asshole and how <laughs> being an asshole takes you point in life. Wouldn't that be so, nice? <laughs> yeah, but that, no, no, it, it came out. It's on movie right now. Mm. Yeah. And the thing is, now it's an issue of who has the guts uh, to, to make this kind of content. That's all. Sure. And, and the and that leads me to to another thing I wanted to bring up with you, and that is whether or not I, I don't know that we talked about this offline previously, but have you seen or have you heard of the movie Pig? I haven't seen Pig, but I've been wanting to watch it. So oh I'm not... my God, Zane! I hear it's a, I heard it's amazing, so I haven't. It I is. Haven't seen it. it is beyond amazing. Nicholas Cage, if he doesn't get an Oscar for that film then nobody deserves one. It is brilliant. It is one of the mm. best films I have ever seen. It's going right into my top 10 list. Cage, who you can take and you can give. Cage has done some really stupid stuff and he's done some amazing work. And this is his most amazing. But here's my point. That film will never be shown, sadly, in this country simply because of its title and that well, you, that's a crime well all due respect uh jay uh number one number one uh you don't need to watch it at, on uh on a streaming platform to be able to watch it <laughs> no that's exactly number two, yeah number two number two if it was on movie right now no one no one can do shit and end of story yeah, and in fact, it always it always makes me laugh when I see this film has been banned, that film has been censored, we cut half the film out of this and that, and I'm thinking, hello, hello, McFly, it's 2022, okay, have you heard of torrents and streaming? Wait, wait, okay. have you heard of the internet? What okay, do you think you're preventing people from seeing? I agree with you. How I'm just saying, I'm just saying that uh, I agree with you 100%. I'm just saying that we're pretty much uh, complaining about a, a ghost that no longer exists. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Because, you're right. Yeah. Because, I mean, look, a Malaysian movie showed a woman becoming prime minister and talking to the camera about how screwing people gets you ahead in life. <laughs> okay. And then she, they have a scene where she's like worshiping Machiavelli. Uh. Okay. Done. So yeah. it now it become but now it's an issue of whether our local filmmakers would have the guts to go in that direction. Most of them don't have the guts to go sure. in that direction, to be honest. And you know what we continuously get are these stupid films that are just made to put butts in the cinema seats. Uh, you know, uh, Chichak Man, whatever other stuff, garbage uh, crap we okay. put out there. Uh, I, um, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna talk shit about Chichak Man. Well, no, I'm not. Uh, I'm not singling out Chichak Man. I just couldn't bring another one of those. Oh, scenario movie, whatever is another. Okay. Another okay. One. Okay. Now, if we, you see, number one, okay. First of all, uh, Chichak Man's 
directed someone I know, and we'll leave it at that. But yeah, I'm not dissing TikTok, man. I think the visual effects and all was an interestingly made film. But uh, the one I will dish directly is the scenario idiot pieces that were out there. Um, okay. And now, there's been a lot of other, that style of garbage that was just made in three weeks to put butts in cinema seats. Okay, here's the thing. Um, I won't talk about I won't talk about some, whether or not I like or dislike these local movies because uh, once, once you go in that direction, uh, then it becomes a slippery slope. What I will look at, <laughs> I will, what, I will, what, I, what I will look at is uh, overall impact on the industry. Honestly, and you may not agree with this, uh, as long as the uh, scenario movies make money and all those guys get paid and the crew get, crew get paid, crew get paid all power to them. Doesn't matter what I think. However, to me, a bigger threat is more and more Malaysian filmmakers making films that are supposedly art, but uh, but they are not sustainable. You see, if you're making a flop movie and it become and it's like Akira Kurosawa's Ran, hmm. I I am with you. Then it's worth the losing so much money because you just made Ran. Yeah, I okay. get it. But the thing is, when you flush money down the toilet over uh, a movie that's supposed to be of artistic credibility and ain't, it's not, right. <laughs> then, then it's even more harmful. It's even more harmful because <coughs> then, then you're, you're basically discouraging investors from, uh, from funding uh, even other movies who... Uh, that are more da daring, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, but that's, that's, the that's the extension of my argument that, you know, uh, I mean, I've been told in the past, we make these kind of movies because that's what sells. And yet you get a decent film from another country and put that in the cinema, a good film, a well-made film with an interesting story, and that still sells. It's the old, I use this analogy. If all I give you to eat is a McDonald's burger, and you know that is the only thing you're going to get to eat for the rest of your life, you're going to find ways to just love that McDonald's burger. But, but if I, what is but if I one day give you a filet mignon cooked to perfection, you're going to see the difference, and you're going to want more filet mignon, and you're going to say, the "Screw the McDonald's the burger." From the perspective of a guy who likes prosperity burgers uh, <laughs> and and filet mignon, I I agree with you. However, that the reality is that's not what's happening today. The average machi, the average machi, at the average Malaysian audience today, right? The fact is, they know what is good because uh, Netflix is, and Amazon Prime and all that they're everywhere. Okay, so the the reality is, uh, Astro and Media Prima's ratings are decreasing every year. That's a fact. No one, that's something no one can deny. Yeah. So the truth is, uh, what's happening is the market forces are educating our audiences. Yeah, this circles back around to what we started talking about, where whether yeah. or not, you know, things like Netflix and that, because you're right, that is an outlet that you have, you have an audience you have, that is not subject to the censorship, is not, you know, even the theaters, whether or not they'll buy a film, uh, the Wayang thing or not, uh, you know, that it has to play. And, you know, that's another thing people in other countries may not understand. We have a 
a rule here that if it is a Malaysian film, you're required to get, I don't know the specifics here, but correct me if I'm wrong. You're required to give it a certain amount of screenings in the cinema? Yeah, Wajib Tayang. Uh, Wajib Tayang, yeah. Okay, now this now this okay, this goes back to what I said. I personally think the pandemic is great for our industry, but you have to understand, but my philosophy of life is more is more brutal and realistic. Mm-hmm. You see, for many years, Malaysia's film industry has needed a cleanup, a reset. A big reset. <laughs> but, 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 As a rabbit is, hole, we're not going to go down. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, okay, whatever, whatever the big reset uh, is, what we, yeah. But the thing right. is, Malaysia's film industry really does need a, a big reset. Uh, I think what it needs is a big kick in the ass. Yes, and here's the thing: the cold heart reality is the only thing that can give that cold heart kick in the ass is COVID. <laughs> There's nothing else. The well, but won't in, do in, it. in what way? What's that going to change? Okay. The thing is, is that what COVID is doing to our industry is that those who are really, really dedicated, who want to spend the rest of their lives in this industry and who are capable, they will last the storm. Everyone else will be swept away. Okay. All right. And I think, and for our specific industry, I think that's necessary. Look, as someone who who works in the industry, let me tell you a cold-hearted fact. Right, the reality is most of our directors do not take whatever they're doing seriously. I I know, dude. I know this one dude. I'm not going to mention his name. Please don't. But the guy, yeah. But the guy, the guy wanted to do a superhero movie, and won't even read the fucking comic book I sent him. <laughs> and I know another. And I know another guy. Who wanted to do um, who wanted to do a movie about this other about this other topic, whatever? And then I just sent a PDF book, you know, read it. You're the director, right? You know, and he doesn't. They won't even Google this shit, bro. Yeah. Because they know, and in and on a subconscious level, uh, they know they don't need to because there's Wajit Tayang, and then there's all these other things. I've got like 50 friends who say that you're talented, you're Malaysian big. Malaysia has mm. lots of talents. It's just the government's not giving you money and all that. And it, and granted, I the most of my clients are amazing dudes. Uh, they when I push them, they read what I send them. They do the research. After I point out that you know you're doing a movie based on this subject matter, and then we need to do research this, and so is you because you're the director. Right. Uh, we have a lot. We have a hand, a small handful of good directors who take up the challenge. Who are not intimidated by me. But the majority are not. The majority want a writer who simply is uh, a glorified typewriter, hmm. who agrees with everything they say, who provides no constructive feedback whatsoever. They have an outline, you're going to write it, and that's that. Yeah. No feedback whatsoever. Hit, and hit the beats the, and don't do anything outside the box. No, and yeah. even then, no, even then, I'm okay with hitting the beats. As long as the beats are good and make sense, but if I tell you this beat doesn't make sense because of X and Y, we need maybe we can do this. But then some a lot are intimidated by that. A lot mm. of, here, there a lot of them are intimidated by that. Right. And as far as I'm concerned, if the only thing that that can wipe y'all out is a pandemic, I welcome it. Okay, uh, I, we we have done almost an hour here. Unbelievably, it has flown by. 
Um, but there are a couple of things that I wanted to get into with you. So let's do let's do kind of a a, a snapshot thing. Just give me a few lines, thirty seconds on a couple of topics that I wanted to hit on with you. They're a bit political, okay. sort of, one yes, one no, but I, I mm-hmm. just love your perspective because of the way you think. Malaysia mm-hmm. threatened with a ban from international sports event because of our political discrimination against Israel. Your thoughts? Okay. Okay, for the record, I have friends who are Israeli citizens who are right-wing as hell, who believe uh, uh, the Palestinians should get wiped out, etc., etc., and I also have friends who are good Jewish people who uh, have been to Israel and they want they again they they disagree with Israel the Israeli government and IDF policies against the Palestinians against the Palestinians. Okay. So I want you to know just I want to make it clear mm. that I I know people from uh, both sides of the divide, Jewish people who I consider my friends. I don't necessarily agree with my Jewish right-wing friends, but again, like I said, uh, never allow disagreements to get in the way of finding out other people's perspectives. Excellent. Now, and, my, and, and, my, and, and valid, constructive yeah. discussions. Yes. Yep. And the thing is, when you block them out, then you're not, you're not solving any problems. You're just enforcing the idea that... And yeah, you're, uh, you're creating your own echo chamber. Exactly. Yeah. Now, I believe that we should not ban Israeli athletes and artists from taking part in our events. Sports is sports, why. politics is politics. Y- yes, but there's a bigger, re- there's a deeper reason. Okay. Sports is sports, art is art. Right. And here's another thing: if, uh, if, if racist people say that Malaysia is not capable of beating Israel, and that's the real reason why we're banning them. They're not wrong. Okay. That's the cold-hearted truth. All right. Because uh, I'll ask, go ahead. Wait, wait, wait. Let me finish. Quickly. Now, so, so, by, by, so, when, so by, if we allow them to take part in our, to come into our country and take part in these competitions fairly, like gentlemen, and then our athletes rise up to the challenge and win and shake hands after the match. That is a stronger uh, and more constructive and peaceful way of protesting and making our point than simply banning them outright. There you go. All right, one last one, and uh, this is a real curveball for you. Uh, I know you are a a man of faith, so I want to ask if it was announced that aliens are real, how and or would that affect your faith? Number one, whether I am a man of faith or not is up to debate. But okay. we won't go into that. <laughs> number right. two, one, one, number two, the Quran explicitly states that Allah is Lord of the worlds. Not worlds, worlds. Therefore, the existence of parallel dimensions and life on other planets does not contradict my belief system. And that's that. Interesting. Thank you. Good. Cool beans. Wow, Zane, that hour, bam, just like that it went by. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. You're a crazy man. And yeah. we and we love you for it. <laughs> I hope so. Yes, indeed. Please come back and we'll talk some more about some other stuff. I love your opinions. I don't agree with them all, but we, we don't have to. And I'll tell you, folks, that's one of the reasons why I wanted to have this nutball on my show tonight. Because, <laughs> And I say that with all due respect and love. Uh, because we do not agree about everything. We absolutely do not. But 
we respect each other's right to have that opinion, agree or not, and we'd love to have these discussions, throw stuff back and forth, throw crap against the wall, see what sticks, and uh, at the end of it, we may or may not have convinced the other one of our arguments, but at least we had a, an interesting 60 minutes. Zane, thank you again so much for your time. Thank you so much, Jay. All right, fantastic. Zane Azrai, as in Azrai. <laughs> hey, where can people find you if they want to get in touch or add you uh, on you as can, a friend? Or... You can go to me. You can find me on uh, Zane Azrai tweets on Twitter. Okay. And uh, you can also add me on Zane Azrai official on Instagram. I've been locked out of my Instagram, but I'll eventually get back in. <laughs> and you can also find me. Am I what's what's it called again? Official. Official. Uh, I'm also on Facebook. Uh, okay. Zane as official Zane Azrai or Zane Azrai official fan page. You can look them up on Facebook. I'm very easy to find. Cool. And man. I just want I just want everyone to know that I do believe that the pandemic uh, is an issue. I do believe that co I do believe COVID exists, and I have I'm vaccinated. I got the booster, etc. However, I do believe that each individual should decide for themselves whether to get the vaccine, vaccine or not, and whether or not, why, why they choose to get it or not get it is besides the point. Every individual should decide, number one. And please do not, do not misconstrue what I said. I'm not saying that we shouldn't listen to doctors and scientists. We should. I'm just saying we should listen to doctors, scientists, sociologists, economists, political scientists, psychologists, all in one go for a holistic solution for society at large. So please don't say that I'm anti-science. I'm not. I'm just saying human. We should take into account the whole thing. And also, I, I love America. I love all my American screenwriter friends. I love working with Americans like Jay Sheldon. However, any any when I say these criticisms, it's in order for us to gradually build a better world together. I'm pro-American as shit, like for real. I, I believe America is one of the greatest countries in the world. I love visiting America. However, I think uh, we need there's there's much to be done for America to be more integrated with the rest of the world. Salam alaikum. All right, walaikum salam. I will talk to you very soon again, Zane. Thanks so much for everything, and uh, we will see you on the other side. Peace. <laughs> All right, that's it, folks. Thanks for joining. Hope you enjoyed that with uh, our special guest tonight. And uh, we'll see you again on Wednesday night, 10 o'clock Malaysian time. Until then, I'm Jay Sheldon, and I'm not wearing pants. Good night. <laughs>